1: You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison.
0: Hello, Tennessee Valley. This is The Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here without my co-host, Adam Keller. He is out of pocket today, and so has Ben. So, (laughs) I am running the whole thing myself, so... Uh So folks, you are going to have to um Jesus. What the heck? Can you hear me? I don't think you can hear me. Oh wait, no, maybe you can. Okay, sorry. (laughs) I just freaked out. So there we go. Uh, I apologize for that. I'm running the ship solo myself today. Um, So you will have to bear with me as I uh, go through everything that Adam does. Um, So, uh, But yeah, we are broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Today, the UAW strike expands. The Republicans are plunging us into a government shutdown, and workers are moving and bosses are harassing us. As always, all that and more on today's Valley Labor Report. If you want to be part of the program, we've got a phone number and the line is open. You can call or text eight four four eight nine nine That 844 844-899-8857. You can also leave us a voicemail throughout the week and we might play it on the next show. So folks, if you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap up here on radio, ah, jeez, I was doing the. Uh, sorry, if you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap up here on the radio, or if you just want to see what we're up to throughout the week, then you can find us anywhere you find anything online. In particular, on our website, tvlr.fm. We are also on Facebook. Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, uh, all of those places, all at the Valley Labor Report. Just a reminder your support helps us stay on the air. Our largest single source of funding comes directly from our listeners, folks. So if you want to uh, help us keep the program running, you can make a one time donation or a recurring contribution to the program at tvlr.fm slash donate tvlr.fm slash donate um if you want uh, to buy our merch you can go to tvlr.fm slash store or patreon.com slash the valley labor report you can also become a patron if you're a member of a union uh then please do uh then please do consider getting your local union to sponsor the show. You can reach out to us for more details on that. Uh, Just want to add a disclaimer that any viewpoints or opinions expressed in this program belong solely to their author and do not necessarily represent any organization or sponsor. We welcome all of our listeners, whether you are on YouTube, Facebook, Unclaimed Mysteries, Internet Radio, WVNN, WZZA, WHIV, or through your favorite podcasting app. We are proud to be part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network and encourage our listeners to check that out. As most of you know, we're not media professionals professionals, just a few diehard unionists who believe that Alabama and the South's labor movement and the working class deserve a bigger platform. We're hoping that this project can make a difference on that front, and we could not do it without you. Uh, So we want to thank everybody for tuning in, whether you are a loyal fan or a first-time listener. We appreciate you spending some time with us. and uh, appreciate everybody in the YouTube chat. We have now already uh, 25 viewers and only five likes. So we can get those numbers up, I believe. Uh, if you have not yet, like the stream, subscribe to the show. So that way you can get uh, that way you get more of our stuff we put out. So when we do the show, you know, it's live Saturday mornings. We we're live for like three hours uh, and then we clip the show. So we, we, every, every segment that we do, we clip it, we put it out on uh, our YouTube channel, we put out like two or three clips every single day, uh, so if you missed part of the show, then you uh, you definitely want to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can see those clips uh, appreciate everybody in the chat bingo bango what's up from local 728 max says good morning uh, had some uh, uh, comments about the audio being low but I believe I have increased that Lenny says good morning Alex says good morning Miss Anonymous says good morning uh, Jake for life 45 uh, he's the one that said good uh, volume is low Constantin says uh, the audio is better And uh, Grey Jungle says aloha, folks. So appreciate everybody tuning in. Just a reminder, the phone number is 844-899-8857 if you want to call into the show or you want to send us a text message. We're going to go ahead and jump right into Last Week in Southern Labor, though. Uh, Last Week in Southern Labor is a segment that we do every week where we tell you what happened in the labor movement in the South. Um, You know, lots of stuff gets coverage, but... Uh, not lots of stuff about workers and, uh, workers are doing a lot of stuff even here in the South. So here's what workers in the Southern United States and her colonies were up to in the week ending in September, ending on September 29th. Uh, before we jump into the new filings, which is the first part of last week in Southern labor, I want to, uh, have a kind of preamble there to say that we can, you know, I'm continuing to try to make the newsletter more useful and informative for everybody. And so um, during last week in Southern Labor, I am going to be adding whether or not the new filing is employer filed or worker filed. So is the employer filing for a union election or uh, are the workers filing for a union election? And an employer filed petition is one that was, you know, you guessed it, filed by an employer after their workers requested voluntary recognition with at least 50% plus one showing, uh, with at least a 50% plus one showing of authorization cards. Those are documents that workers signed stating that they wish to be unionized. Employer filed petitions have significantly increased in the last month following the CMEX ruling, uh, which now states that if 50% plus one of your workers sign authorization cards and request recognition, then you have to recognize them as a union or file for a secret ballot election within 10 days. So this is one more way that the NLRB is speeding up the election process and making it easier for workers to unionize. So we want to make sure that y'all know about that and that you know not to be worried when you read that an employer filed for a union election, because in fact, it's good. It means that the workforce has already shown majority support and they've already forced the boss to act. So that can be a very empowering thing. Without further further ado, uh, these are the filings from the last week. The employer filed for a petition for union election after 24 workers at Starbucks in Farmers Branch, Texas showed majority support for unionizing with Starbucks Workers United. 19 workers at Spirit Lexus in Creve Coeur, Missouri filed for a union election with the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. IAMAW District Lodge 9. Two nurses at Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C., filed for a union election with the D.C. Nurses Association. Three mechanics and other workers at ISS Action in Del Rio, Texas, filed for a union election with IAMAW Logo Lodge 2949. 101 security guards at Max Sint and Kerberos International as joint employers in Spotsylvania, Virginia filed for a union election with the International Guards Union of America. Eight workers at L&W Supply Corporation in Carnes, Tennessee, filed for a union election with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, Local 519. 47 security guards at Constellus in Herndon, Herndon Virginia, filed for a union election with the Protective Service Officers United. The employer filed for a union election after nine workers at Home State, a joint operation LLC, showed majority support for unionization with the Teamsters, Local 955. Twenty workers at Aerostar Airport Holdings in Carolina, Puerto Rico, filed for a union election with IAMAW. Six workers at Lush Cosmetics in Lexington, Kentucky, filed for a union election with the United Food and Commercial Workers, Local 227. Thirty-four security guards at FJC Security Services Incorporated in Nashville, Tennessee, filed for a union election with the International Guards Union of America. And 50 workers at Morton Salt in Cape Canaveral, Florida, withdrew their petition for a union election with the United Steelworkers International Union. Fifty-four workers at the Springs of Avalon, at the Springs of Avalon in West Memphis, Arkansas, filed to decertify their union. UFCW Local 1529 and seven workers at Missouri Red Quarries in Ironton, Missouri, filed to decertify their union. The Laborers International Union of North America, Missouri, and Kansas Laborers District Council. In election results, four quality assurance workers at Mid-America Conversion Services in Keeville, Kentucky won their union election with the United steelworkers unanimously 12 workers at restaurant technologies in dallas texas won their union election with the teamsters local 745 9 to 2 94 workers at Silgan containers manufacturing corporation in st joseph missouri won their election to unionize with the sheet metal air rail and transportation workers international union international association uh, the acronym is smart local 2 They won their election 43 to 39. In an election between two unions, 29 workers at MV Transportation in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, decided to unionize with the Transport Workers Union over the Amalgamated Transit Union, Local 1546, with 16 voting for the TWU, 2 voting for ATU, and 4 voting for no union at all. Nine workers at French Truck in New Orleans, Louisiana, won their union election to, uh, with the Teamsters Local 270 unanimously. And 20 workers at Starbucks in Lexington, South Carolina, won their election to unionize with the Starbucks workers united in, uh, unanimously. We had a few uh, settlements, grievances, and unfair labor practices uh, that happened last week. The biggest one being that an administrative law judge held that Starbucks broke federal labor law when it withheld new raises and benefits only uh, from unionized or unionizing stores in a nationwide ruling. From uh, from Bloomberg, the judge ordered Starbucks to compensate thousands of unionized workers for the wages and benefits they were unlawfully denied. Starbucks argued that giving the pay raises to unionized baristas would have been illegal because federal law prohibits the company from making unilateral changes to union workers' jobs. The judge stated that this argument was not lodged in good faith and would require her to presume that Starbucks and its attorneys, quote, so misapprehended basic labor law concepts that it considered itself compelled to deny wage and benefit increases on the basis of employees' union activities. Starbucks Workers United tweeted in response to that that turns out the, quote, we are very stupid, unquote, legal argument did not convince the judge. <laughs> The Georgia staff organization prevailed in an arbitration case where they asserted that they were being denied meal reimbursements by the Georgia Association of Educators, which is an NEA affiliate, despite unambiguous language in their collective bargaining agreement. In strikes and bargaining updates, the staff at the AFL-CIO headquarters has begun informational picketing outside the office in D.C. as they try to bargain a new contract. Pay is the primary issue with staff, and this is Crazy, with staff at the AFL-CIO headquarters saying that they have not received a raise in nine years. And they say that that has led to a marked attrition in staff and difficulty attracting talent. They have barely more than half the staff they did seven years ago. And they say that entire departments are now going unstaffed. Alabama school teachers will receive, wait for it, a whopping 2% raise this year beginning on October the 1st. And I was just told last week that the Big Scary Teacher Union secures higher wages than they deserve. Which is weird how uh, weird that they are taking a pay cut again this year in real wages when you account for inflation. Very strange. Uh, But, you know, I've just been told that I'm wrong. About the teachers union. United Airline pilots secured and then ratified a tentative agreement that includes, among other things, a 40% raise. 188 UAW members at ZF Manufacturing, which is a Mercedes parts manufacturer, are still on strike in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Shangri La dispensary workers with UFCW Local 655 in Columbia, Missouri, are still on strike. They began in May. Three Brothers Coffee workers with UFCW Local 1995 in Nashville, Tennessee, have been on strike since June, as have Memphis Soy Pro protein production workers with the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers international union local 390G. UAW has expanded their strikes to two more facilities at Ford and GM, sparing Stellantis from strike expansions this time, adding 7,000 workers to the strike, bringing the total number of big three UAW members on strike to 25,000. The union at NPR has come to a tentative agreement with the broadcasting organization, guaranteeing remote and hybrid work over the life of the agreement and 1,400 members of the Communication Workers of America ratified their tentative agreement with Frontier Communications in West Virginia and regular Virginia. The CWA says they achieved significant wage increases, preserved existing job security language, and maintained quality, health, and welfare benefits. In addition, Frontier has committed to creating additional jobs and a long-term work-at-home agreement. In policy, politics, and legislation, the U.S. Department of Labor has awarded the AFL-CIO Working in America Institute a grant to launch a pilot program in Birmingham, Alabama, in order to empower women, especially women of color, to join our nation's manufacturing workforce and obtain good-paying jobs that lead to lifelong careers. About 22,000 Alabamians lost Medicaid coverage in July, according to recent eligibility data from the Alabama Medicaid Agency. Jennifer Harris helped Policy advocate with the nonprofit Alabama Arise anticipates that eventually 60 to 80,000 Alabamians will lose coverage because of the end of the COVID 19 emergency. Mississippi's State Auditor released a report attacking the state's colleges, in particular what remains of their humanities programs. And the United Campus Workers of Mississippi replied in a statement saying, in part, our colleges and universities do not exist solely to, quote, produce graduates who complement Mississippi's workforce needs. They exist to enable students to pursue the study of subjects they find meaningful and important. If we missed anything, let us know about your union updates and keep us up to date so that we don't miss anything in the future. You can do that at tvlr.fm slash contact. With that, we're going to be taking a short break. We're going to be right back with Richard Loeb from the American Federation of Government Employees to talk about the impending government shutdown, uh, why we are here, what happens if the government shut down. Shut down. uh, Shuts down. Gosh. And what it means for you. We're going to be right back, folks. You are listening to the Valley Labor Report. In Alabama,
1: more than 200,000 of our friends and family members are living without health care coverage. Often folks can't stay healthy enough even to keep their jobs. We can fix this. It's time for us to find a way to close the health care coverage gap so that people can remain at work. Let's make this a priority. Let's close this gap and cover Alabama. To learn more and how you can help, visit CoverAlabama.org.
2: The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs... Have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maples Tucker and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtnj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services provided is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms.
0: Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. Come build a better future with us today and join IU Pat.
1: I'm attorney Tommy Senyard. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senyard Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senyard Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senyard Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senyard Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senior Law, the name with proven results.
3: Support for this program is provided by the International Association for Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Learn more at IAMAW44.org. Come on, you.
0: Labor creates all wealth, all wealth should go to labor, and you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, not here with my co-host Adam Keller. He is out of pocket, and so is the typical fill-in host, Ben Job, owner of Spice Radio Studios. Uh, so I am running the ship solo today. Appreciate your patience with uh, any uh, technical difficulties that I might have, uh, but I think so far I have done a pretty good job, if I do say so myself. (laughs) Appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, Just a reminder, the phone number is 844-899-TVLR. You can send us a text message or participate in the chat. We've got about 40 people watching, 24 likes. If you haven't liked the stream, please do, and uh, subscribe to the program. Of course, we are also on Terrestrial Radio, WVNN, right now. Appreciate everybody listening there, and appreciate the conversation in the chat. So everybody knows, uh, presumably, That the uh, we are barreling towards a government shutdown. The uh, federal government is uh, uh, is not going to be funded if there is no deal before midnight tonight. And so I figured, who better to talk about this than my union, the American Federation of Government Employees, which is the largest federal employee union. In the country, representing about seven hundred thousand federal employees, and here from the American Federation of Government Employees, we have Senior Policy Counsel Richard Loeb. Richard, thank you for taking the time to talk to me this morning. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, um, I guess the first thing is why are why are we here? What's what's going on? Why have they not funded the government? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, a lot of theories. Obviously, one is dysfunction in Congress, particularly in the House of Representatives. Um, I have a a personal uh, view that there are people, particularly in the House, who actually want to see the government shut down. They're so anti-government that they don't want there to be an active, operational federal government. Um,
0: Well, I mean, we saw that, actually. there There was a House Republican on Twitter yesterday... That was remarking on the Department of Education saying that they're going to be furloughing 90% of their staff if the government is not funding and saying, Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. That sounds like a good start. 90% of the Department of Education being laid off.
3: Well, I wait till they try to get uh student financial assistance uh right. for people, you know, for the uh for people in their district. Uh they're gonna find that the uh Pell grants and other student financial assistance uh are unavailable mm. because. First off, they don't have the money. Secondly, right. even if they have the money, they don't have anybody there to mm. process these applications. So it's 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 it could be bedlam.
0: Right, right. And and so, you know, the the, the real kind of just just the the, the the brass tacks of it is that there hasn't been a funding bill. And so there has been, you know, debates about uh, can we do a continuing resolution or, you know, I, I don't think that uh, a full year of government funding has been on the table, really, in these conversations. I think it's all been are we going to have a continuing resolution or not? And uh, the Republicans tried to pass a resolution um i be, or a, a a a bill that would fund um some amount of the government and so they say now that it's the democrats fault that this bill didn't pass and that it was a great bill can you talk to us about w- what the deal is with that
3: well i mean i think there's some debate about how great a bill it was <laughs> i mean i saw a few different uh, i guess versions i mean that, that's the mm-hmm. other thing is it's not clear to me what the the renegades if I'll call them you know the freedom mm-hmm. caucus and some of their mm-hmm. allies want it seems to change from day to day so mm. you know if you it's hard to negotiate with someone who doesn't have a negotiation position mm. that you can work with but one of the uh, one of the popular ones or obviously not popular enough to get through
1: right.
3: was uh an eight percent cut across the board for all civilian agencies with no changes to uh, dod of course and also the, the department of veterans affairs but an 8% cut may not sound like much, um, but it's it it's can be a very large cut. Uh, mm-hmm. For some of the people we represent, for instance, at the Transportation Security Administration, they just got a new pay system put in, which raised their pay substantially. So an 8% cut from last year's budget uh, would mean they wouldn't have enough money to pay people. I guess I guess they'd have to engage in layoffs there, even, mm-hmm. even if they were fun- funded. Another one I saw, and I, I try to keep up on uh, on the web, reading the various uh, major. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the fake media as they like to call it. Right. But right. reading the New York Times, Post, Wall, Wall Street Journal, yeah, it well, appears that, wrong, uh, Yeah, something <laughs> that that yet another one would have cut funding at civilian agencies thirty percent. So mm-hmm. I, I, that's a big difference between eight percent and thirty percent. I don't right. know. I mean, I just don't know where they are. There's also apparently a problem with border security that the um, uh, the Republicans want to see more border security uh, but but there's also another maybe even larger problem is that they don't seem to have it together on Ukraine. Mm. Uh, so their own caucus is split on Ukraine. Um, so I think that when you know they, they seem to have a policy, that the majority of the majority well more than the majority ba- basically the majority has to be able to control the system that's not obviously in any in any statute or it's not part of the Constitution but they don't want to have um to re- depend upon Democratic votes mm. uh, not that the Democrats might support a lot of this stuff but they don't want to have to depend on them and given the very very tight um uh Majority that they hold, I by tight I mean you know very narrow margin. Um, I guess the speaker of the house feels he can't proceed, or he'll endanger his his status as speaker.
0: And that threat has been made um, explicit, right? I mean, Gates has been threatening already to, uh, and and he hasn't even put forward a a bill, but he's already been you know making the threat explicit on the house floor to vacate the chair
3: right and i guess there was some type of meeting reported in most of the major outlets uh that the speaker uttered some uh some unkind words mm. to uh to his caucus when they uh when they kind of threatened his uh his speakership so i mean right. it's, it's 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 just all these moving parts none of which seem to be able to get together on their part um i think it's Representing—I I, I don't want to call it diversity of opinion, but really diversity of just an outlook on life and an outlook on the role of government in people's lives. So um, it's 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 a little bit crazy, and you know, you would think that maybe something could be put together where the Democrats could offer some votes, but so far there's nothing terribly reasonable has been offered. So I can understand where uh, the minority leader would think that's unacceptable.
0: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, st- we're still in a place where where, like you said, the Republicans are trying to figure out their position. And and so the, it, it, it's been basically impossible for the Democrats to actually negotiate because the Republicans are trying to still trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah. I,
3: I mean, you probably experienced this in your life if you've ever tried to negotiate over, you know, a contract for something, mm-hmm. maybe buying something or some services. Yeah. And the other side you're negotiating with can't tell you what it is <laughs> they want. Yeah. <laughs> so you're negotiating against yourself and you know mm. it's it, it, you know the ukraine uh thing i which is obviously such a significant foreign policy issue mm. that um i i i don't even know where they can get on that i mean they right. just they can't so basically what's happening uh jacob is that you know a small group of people varying between a dozen to i think 19 yesterday i had to check the last vote but um a small percentage of the republican conference is just not going to agree to to pretty much anything Mm. uh unless it's you know totally on their terms uh, which it isn't clear what those terms are (laughs) right
0: do you have any idea if um you know i i if McCarthy were to try to come with some with some deal to get Democratic votes, then, you know, obviously the, the ramification for that would be that uh, he's, you know, he's vacated from the chair or there's a motion to vacate him from the chair. There's an attempt to do that by some of these Republicans who are, you know, causing this uh, potential shutdown. Um, are there talks? Do you have any idea if there are talks among the Democratic caucus of supporting McCarthy uh, being well, the speaker? Yeah,
3: I, I don't know the procedural uh, 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 niceties of this. Whether uh, a motion to carry would require a majority, because if it, mm-hmm. if it requires a majority to vacate the chair, then I don't think the Republicans would vote him out, um, and that, the Democrats could just you know sit on the sidelines and and and. But I don't think they would. Uh, they would be able to do it without, you know, a majority of the Republicans uh, mm-hmm. supporting them. But I could be wrong, and there might be enough Democrats who would support the motion to uh, to to vacate that McCarthy would be out of the job. Mm-hmm. And that would lead to, you know, what we saw back in January, right. but on a, you know, but on and a very enhanced level where, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know who would, who would be speaker. I think there's a procedure for an acting speaker Mm-hmm. Uh, but the uh, that that position is uh, is not a very strong position and is limited to a number of ministerial activities.
0: And so, you know, that's kind of why we're here, uh, why we are where we are with relation to the government shutdown. Um, and, and and from what it sounds like, there has hasn't really been any. Uh, any breakthroughs, and uh, uh, and and at this point, I don't know that that we're expecting any breakthroughs, are we?
3: Uh, I, you know, we're always hopeful, but um, if if nothing happens between now and about thirteen hours from now, um, on Monday, based on the current projections we're getting from the agencies, eight hundred thousand federal employees will be furloughed and sent mm-hmm. home. Uh, Another large number, another about, you know, there's another 1.2 million, about 2 million civilian federal employees uh, may be asked to come to work and continue working, but Mm. in the vast majority of cases, they will not be paid. So obviously working without pay is not great for morale, not great for a lot of things. Um, There are going to be many secondary effects. Obviously, uh, lack of income to even the people who are working, the people who aren't working, uh, leads to economic uh, uh, consequences in their communities. Uh, contractors who uh, who depend upon the award of contracts on a fairly regular level could see that we'll see that disrupted, which of course has more uh, uh, more impact. You're going to see things like uh, food uh, insecurity programs, such as SNAP, the SNAP WIC program. That only has enough money left to last maybe a couple of days. So people who are already suffering from food insecurity will not have money to get food. So that's a very serious problem. I also want to point out, even for people who are, you know, sometimes saying, "Well, what do federal employees do?" You know, it's so uh, that this affects the military as well, and perhaps some, perhaps arguably the most vulnerable in the military. That is. Uh, the The troops, uh, particularly the enlisted, yeah. um, there's 1.3 million active duty military personnel. They won't get paid, mm. so it's it's it has an enormous impact on on operations. Um, and at some point, you know, the 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 ripple effect across the economy, and I I would imagine the reaction of Wall Street can't be right. positive.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, there was another uh, Republican lawmaker that didn't that, that said something about, you know, I don't think that the uh, re, I, I don't think that the federal employees who get furloughed are going to get a whole lot of sympathy. But, you know, I just I mean, I just think that he's wrong about that. I think that that, you know, people know federal employees, uh, especially in towns like Huntsville right? Uh, there's a lot of federal employees here. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is that, that we are uh, you know, basically just like everybody else in our community. Uh, you know, we have, uh, there are federal employees here that are making well into the six figures, like many other, uh, you know, contractors and other, uh, you know, defense folks here. And there are federal employees here that are making $15 an hour working part time. Right. I mean, so, there, you know, we really uh, any kind of job that you can imagine, There are federal employees that are doing that. And they're in your community. They're your neighbor. And, you know, I just I don't think that people really have that. You know, uh, I think that he's underestimating the amount of connection that people will feel with uh, just other workers. Uh, And
3: well, the the, the fact is, is that, you know, people will will see the effect directly. Obviously, I mentioned Mm -hmm. the the food nutrition programs. Of course, those people. The most vulnerable people will be affected and see the results, you know, uh, first. But if you have to deal with the Internal Revenue Service, um, mm. forget it. They've already announced mm. that they're laying off two thirds of their people. The only the third that will stay on can only work on certain kinds of uh, projects to modernize taxpaying systems. They can't deal with individual taxpayers. Can't deal with individual right. audits. If you have to call the IRS and are expecting a refund, um, good luck. Um, I'm told that social security benefits will continue to be paid. uh, It's not clear to me uh, how well staffed social security offices will be. They're already understaffed to begin with to handle uh, applications for social security and social security disability claims. Um, I I can't imagine that will improve, even if they're able to bring some people in, Um, it it will just end up being a, a huge backlog. Right.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, of course, the uh, AFGE is, you know, speaking to lawmakers trying to impress upon them, uh, you know, the importance of funding the government, of uh, not letting the government shut down. Uh, Are are there any things in particular that you would want to highlight about what AFGE has been doing during this time?
3: Well, we, we've, we've our, our lobbying team has been spending, and, uh, and our elected uh, officers have been spending much time mm-hmm. with congressional members and uh, tr- trying to explain the importance. Uh, you know, the, the majority of members of Congress obviously realize that this is important. Even among the Republicans, they realize it's important. Um, mm-hmm. But you've got the holdouts, and the holdouts hold the power. And yeah. so I is is it worth talking to the holdouts? I mean, you've heard heard them on television and radio and all sorts of you know different news reports. And I don't know, I don't know what would move them. Mm. I mean, I almost feel like some of them feel this is an experiment.
0: Mm.
3: Let's let's see what happens if we don't phone the government. Will 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 the country fall apart?
0: Mm. Well, I, I, do uh, find that's it, grim. I do find
3: it i ironic that. These same people who supposedly support the military um, and don't want to see any cuts in the Department of Defense, and in fact, they want to see increases for the most part, are okay with not paying active duty military.
0: Right. Yeah. Yep. Pretty grim. Pretty grim. But I appreciate you keeping us up to date, Uh, Richard. uh, Thanks for coming on. And uh, thanks for uh, everything that you're doing up there in DC.
3: Well, thank you so much again for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Folks, like I said, that is uh, that was Richard Loeb, senior policy uh, senior policy counsel for the American Federation of Government Employees. That is the largest federal employee union in the country, representing about seven hundred thousand federal workers, uh, and doing a lot, doing a lot for. Um, for folks that are uh, working for the federal government right now. So we really appreciate them and him in particular. We're going to go ahead and take a, another break really quick. We're going to be right back and we're going to give you the latest on the UAW strike. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss that. Be right back.
1: In Alabama, more than 200,000 of our friends and neighbors are living without health care coverage. Often folks can't stay healthy enough to keep their jobs. We need to fix this. Let's close the health care coverage gap. To learn more, visit
0: CoverAlabama.org.
1: O-R-G. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO.
0: The Laborers' International Union of North America Local 366 is proudly recruiting North Alabama workers to work construction and nuclear plant maintenance. If you're interested, please contact Donna at their training center to start the process. That phone number is 256 415 Again, that phone number is 256-415-7452. No experience is needed. Free training is offered, but you must be able to pass a background check and a drug test. Local hiring that grows our community with good-paying jobs that have benefits is their mission. Live better. Work union. Local 366. Feel the power.
3: Support for this program also comes from the Mid-South Council of Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Learn more at
1: rwdsu.info. I'm attorney Tommy Senior. When you've been injured and need help, You need a lawyer who's with you. Senured Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senured Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senured Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senured Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senured Law, the name with proven results.
0: union talk radio show this is the valley labor report my name is jacob morris and my co-host adam keller is not here and neither is ben Job. so i am running the ship solo today running the ship solo today so please be patient with any potential technical difficulties but i think i'm doing a pretty good job If you have something you want to add, you can call us at 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. So, uh, appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the chat. We have 60 people watching us on YouTube right now and only 36 likes. So, if you have not liked the stream, then please do that. Like the stream, subscribe to the channel, and uh, your life will be better for it. Max in the YouTube chat says, love your show. And I'm from Toronto. Very cool. Jared from IFPTE Local uh, 27 representing NASA workers at uh, the Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville says that uh, we're going to know if we're getting furloughed tomorrow morning. Congress's deadline deadline is tonight at midnight, U.S. Eastern Time. And he says that regardless of the furlough, the local union will be sending two representatives to Chicago for a federal sector representation training with other IFPTE locals. IFPTE is a sponsor of the show, stands for the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. Um, so that is very, very cool. Love to see that. D.L. Cindero says, Peace Comrades and Fellow Workers, uh, thanks for joining us. 91 Kellis, Local 551, Solidarity, that's my plant. Uh, very cool, glad to have you in the chat. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we have another uh, UAW, Hello to UAW 1250. Hello to UAW 1250 from Surfer Bree. Appreciate, uh, appreciate that. Adam is in the chat. Sorry I can't be on the show today. Sending my love and solidarity. Um, And uh, Jared says, uh, a bit better now. Okay, on the audio. Good, good, good. Mark Battle, UAW 276. Awesome. Love having the UAW folks in the chat. And uh, UAW is what we're going to be talking about next. Um, Talking about the Strike expansion. Uh, Very big deal. The United Auto Workers have expanded their strike again this week at two of the big three automakers, this time by 7,000 workers. Uh, That brings the total amount of UAW members to 25,000. 25,000 workers that are on strike. Uh, The strike expansion struck GM and Ford this time. At Ford, the Chicago Assembly Plant went on strike yesterday. Uh, Friday the 29th at noon Eastern time. At GM, it was the Lansing Delta Township Assembly Plant in Michigan. Ford was spared from the prior... Strike expansion last week because of the progress that they made the week prior. But negotiations have moved much more slowly this week, according to the UAW, and according to Ford CEO Jim Farley, who said that they actually went backwards in negotiations this week. Stellantis was spared this time, according to Sean Fain, a mere three minutes. (laughs) They They were spared because a mere three minutes before the UAW was scheduled to go live with plans to strike another Stellantis plant. Three minutes before they were scheduled to go live with the announcement, Stellantis sent a frantic email and (laughs) made, quote, significant progress on the 2009 cost of living adjustment, the right not to cross a picket line, and the right to strike over product commitments and plant closures. Sean Fain has pointed to this last-minute change of plans as proof of his commitment to bargain in good faith. He's saying that where there's movement, he wants to reward that. And... um. And I think that he has. And I think that he has very much uh, shown himself to be bargaining in good good faith, Um, you know, punishing people that don't move and rewarding people that do. The CEOs of the two companies that saw strike expansions this week did not see it that way, though, (laughs) if you can imagine. Ford CEO Jim Farley says, We have felt from the very beginning, between all the lines of our comments, that the original strike was premeditated and that everything is taking way too long. The actual events are predetermined before they happen. It's been very frustrating. I believe we could have reached a compromise on pay and benefits, but so far the UIW is holding the deal hostage over battery plants. And this is just an amazing thing to say because we know that Ford and all of these uh, auto manufacturers did not seriously begin negotiating until a week before the strike. And the entire time leading up to the strike, uh, UAW President Sean Fain was like, look, September 14th, a deadline, not a reference point, right? This is, you know, there's going to be consequences if if we don't have a fair contract by September the 14th. And they didn't meet the deadline. So, um, and and so that's what's happening. It's uh, a very, I mean, it's just amazing that they can, that they can go out there and say this kind of stuff and that they you know, don't get pushback from the people that are reporting on their comments. GM CEO Mary Barra was also very critical. She said, it's clear that there's no intent to get to an agreement, which is, again, fascinating to say because we just saw this week Stellantis being rewarded for movement. There's clear intent to get to an agreement and there's clear willingness to... Uh, limit strikes where there is movement. There's clear intent to get to an agreement. Mary Barra said, it's clear Sean Fain wants to make history for himself, but it can't be to the detriment of our represented team members and the industry. And like I said, their statements just simply do not reflect what's been happening. Sean Fain replied in a statement to their allegations, saying that Farley specifically was, quote, lying about the state of negotiations and, he failed to show up for bargaining this week. Can you imagine going around to the news knowing full well that you haven't been present for bargaining, and then saying that Sean Fain is the one that doesn't have intent on reaching a clear, uh, reaching uh, uh, on reaching a, reaching a fair agreement. I mean, that's just amazing. And and the issue with the CEO not being at the bargaining table, right, is that the CEO is going to be the decision maker. This is what actually a lot of employer – uh, employers will do in negotiations is they will send in lower level people who do not have the authority to move beyond a certain level, right? And so uh, the <laughs> and so they're not able to move when they need to move. And so that's a bargaining tactic that employers use all the time. Um, they need to have decision makers at the table. And, and Jim Farley was not at the table. Sean Fain uh, expanded. It could be because he failed to show up for bargaining this week, as he has for most of the past 10 weeks. If he were there, he would know that we gave Ford a comprehensive proposal on Monday and and still haven't heard back. He would also know that we are far apart on core economic proposals like retirement security and post-retirement health care, as well as job security in this EV transition, which Farley himself says is going to cut 40% of our members' jobs. And this is the key thing. You know, if we'll remember, Jim Farley says that Sean Fain is holding negotiations hostage over battery plants. And how do you call it holding negotiations hostage when you're talking about as big an issue as a 40% job loss? It's like, uh, you know, just definitionally have to be a huge part of negotiations. It would be irresponsible for the union not to make that a huge part of negotiations. And yet Jim Farley is saying, oh, they're holding it hostage over this thing, acting like this is some small issue that's cordoned off from the rest of the negotiations. It doesn't really matter. Not really a big deal. And yet he is also at the other side of his mouth saying 40 percent job losses. Insane. And the reason that there and, you know, the 40 percent job loss thing, that number has been kind of uh, that number has been questioned a little bit because there are fewer parts. There are. Like, there are fewer parts in some ways in the car, but then there's also different parts that also have to be made, right? So it may not be really 40%, um, but I I think the consensus is that there is going to be some amount of less labor needed to create EVs, to create electric vehicles. And so... You know, that's one of the that's one of the reasons that the UAW is pushing so hard for something like a shortened work week, because if you're looking at a situation where you do actually require less labor to build a vehicle, which, you know, it may not be exactly 40 percent, but if it was, that would be huge. If you do need less labor to construct a vehicle, then it is simply not right that the employer be the entire beneficiary of that uh, of that cut in labor costs. The workers should be the ones that benefit from this, uh, from, uh, you know, from the lack of labor needed. Workers should get that time off instead of being laid off. but that's not what the companies want to do and that's not what companies have historically done where you don't have unions that are bargaining over things like automation or uh, you know uh, less workforce needs, then the employer simply takes all of these gains for themselves, and that's one. Of, that's a huge reason that you know unions are necessary, uh, because if you don't, if you're not able to fight back against that kind of thing, then you're totally at the whim of your employer, and you take all of this extraneous risk upon yourself, where it should be borne at least both by the employer and the employee, and I think clearly it should be uh, borne primarily by the employer. GM CEO Mary Barra attempted to cast the expanded strikes as theater, not progress. But that's a pretty difficult position to have to defend when for two weeks in a row now, Sean Fain has in good faith spared one of the automakers from a strike expansion. She said, it's clear there's no real intent to get to an agreement. It's clear Sean Fain wants to make history for himself, uh, but it can't be to the detriment of our represented team members in the industry. The UAW is pitting the companies against each other. But it's a strategy that ultimately only helps the non-union competition. And this is amazing. This quote is amazing. The UAW is pitting the companies against each other because that's exactly what the employers have been doing to workers in any industry that you can think of for the past five decades is pitting workers against each other, both in the United States, even just in the North, pitting locals against one one another in the uh, more heavily Union North, but also pitting workers in the South against workers in the North. And of course, pitting Mexican workers against American workers pitting Mexican workers against Vietnamese workers, against Chinese workers, right? There's always an attempt to play the workers off of each other. And so now that the workers are able, finally, in one instance, to pit the companies against each other to try to build leverage for themselves and negotiate a better deal for their members, the CEOs are freaking out. The CEOs are freaking out. And, you know, the, the, the fact that the CEOs of these companies are running around like chickens with their heads cut off, like the sky is falling, uh, you know, we should really be seeing <laughs> mea culpas and retractions from all of the, you know, uh, uh, unserious people on the internet that have been criticizing the UAW for their strike. Of course, we're not going to see that, uh, you know, from people like the Due dissidents, folks, the Revolutionary Blackout Network, Sabrina Salvetti, all of these folks who, by their own admission, don't know anything about unions. They don't know anything about labor law. They don't know anything about union organizing. They don't know anything about collective bargaining, the process of collective bargaining or negotiations or anything like this. They don't know anything about this by their own admission, and yet they're coming out talking about the UAW Sean Fain is selling out the membership. I mean totally irresponsible. Um and and totally for clicks. And and it's difficult to see how if the UAW is selling out the membership, why is it that the CEOs of these companies are running around with their heads cut off, like they've got uh, like chickens with their heads cut off. But anyway, you know, they're not super not terribly relevant in the grand scheme of things. They just really really getting my craw. Uh, But, you know, another thing about uh, Mary Barra saying that there's no real intent to get to an agreement. That's also a pretty difficult position to have to defend when she also didn't show up for bargaining last week. I mean, neither Mary Barra nor Jim Farley showed up for bargaining last week. And yet they are trying to make us believe that Sean Vane's the one that doesn't want, <laughs> that doesn't want to reach an agreement. I mean, really, just wild stuff. Like, I mean, you know, I'm glad that you know it. The the one of the reasons that <laughs> I really appreciate being a you know being a unionist, being a union member, being somebody that advocates on the on behalf of working people is that, of course, it's good, and you know. It's great, and, uh, (laughs) you know, workers deserve the world all of this kind of stuff, right? Um, You know, I think it's the good and moral thing to do is to be on the side of workers. But also, it's so easy because I just have to tell the truth, (laughs) right? Like, I don't have to misrepresent anything. I don't have to lie. I don't have to, you know, uh, pretend that the other side is bargaining in bad faith when they're actually bargaining in good faith, you know? Like, I can just tell the truth. I can just tell people what happened. And uh, it's going to be to the benefit of... You know, my side, quote unquote, the side of the workers. So that's a very, um, you know, it's <laughs> a very helpful. That's a very helpful thing to, to be able to do is just tell the truth. You don't have to remember what lies you're telling. So uh, that's great. <laughs> We've got some more people in the chat. Matt from UIW Local 12, home of the Jeep Wrangler. Love listening to your videos and the updates you provide. Appreciate it, Matt. And thank you for uh, for your uh, for your work for Jeep creating uh some very cool vehicles and also your work on behalf of the working class. Uh Patrick says UIW 276 here also. Mark was another 276 employee, a uh, 276 member out here. Um so that's pretty cool. Got a couple of members from 276. Uh we have um Added Up says, 90% of those batteries are made in China. That's uh, that's why the 40% job loss is probably low. That could be part of it, yeah. Brandon says, good morning, fellow workers in solidarity with UAW fellow workers on strike. Indeed. Uh, Jules says, presumably with reference to the, uh, you know, the the whip whipsawing is, is the kind of tactic that we call pitting workers against each other. That's one of the oldest tricks in the book. And indeed it is. Uh, Mr. Anderson says, when the big three uh, should be offering generous retirement deals, they're instead treating all their employees like temps when it comes to job security in the transition to EVs. Indeed, indeed. That's exactly right. Fast Freddy said, uh, this is the unf- unflooded part of New York City. We're okay. MTA uh, NYC Local 100 is in full solidarity with the UAW Strikers. Go get them. Sean, UAW all the way. Go. That's the username, Local 51, D A C M. Appreciate you tuning in. Mr. Anderson says, Solidarity Forever, UAW 900. Very, very cool. Very cool. Love having, it, having all of y'all in the chat. Uh, there were a lot of other, uh, there are several other uh, updates on the UAW situation. Uh, but first, I want to get to our other regular segment that we do during the show, Boss Watch. So, you know, we've got two basically regular segments. We've got Last Week in Southern Labor and we've got Boss Watch. And both of them are an attempt to try to, you know, push the balance of media coverage about workers and bosses. And, you know, really, you know, the the issue that I see is that uh, workers are not talked about when we are talked about We're talked about as like greedy or lazy or all of these kind of stuff, especially if we are fighting for more. We're always uh, pit against each other, you know, pitting workers against consumers when consumers are also workers, right? I mean, how how do you consume if you don't have labor, (laughs) if you don't have income from your labor uh, or you don't get income from somebody else who labors, right? So uh, (laughs) consumers and workers are actually not in conflict. We're the same. (laughs) Uh, We're the same people. We're the same people. And so uh, it frustrates me, the coverage that we see of workers, but also the coverage that we see of employers, because all of the coverage that we see in the media of employers are uh, talks about, oh, the Chamber of Commerce is doing this great thing. Um, Oh, this employer, look, they gave a scholarship to these people. It's always good and nice stuff. And we know (laughs) here on the Valley Labor Report, and if you listen to us uh, in the audience, we know that actually employers... Are in many ways like a criminal syndicate. (laughs) They break the law so much more often than the rest of us and with much greater, uh, uh, to a much greater degree, right? To a much greater detriment to society. And so we want to talk to you about that. So every week we do a segment we call Boss Watch, where we talk about the illegal activities of southern bosses, of uh, bosses in the southern United States and her colonies uh, in the last week. And so here is that segment for the week ending on September 29th over in Missouri An Oklahoma-based construction contractor entered into a deferred prosecution agreement and agreed to pay $370,000 in criminal and civil penalties to avoid federal prosecution on one count of ignoring federal safety regulations that resulted in a worker fatality in St. Joseph in 2019. The action follows an investigation by the U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration that found Skinner Tank Company did not require employees to use fall protection while working on the roof of the 56-foot soybean storage tank, nor provide fall protection training. On October 14, 2019, an employee on the roof died after falling more than 50 feet to the ground. OSHA's inspection also revealed that, and this was the craziest thing, this is why I decided to put this in the, you know, expand on this rather than putting it in the dishonorable mentions. It's crazy. OSHA's inspection also revealed that the company provided inaccurate safety information to its employees by telling them that wearing fall protection actually presented a greater hazard than not wearing it. I mean, how do you, like, that's astounding. After issuing civil citations, including willful violations for failing to require the use of fall protection and provide fall protection training and proposing $415,000 in penalties, OSHA made a criminal referral to the U.S. Department of Justice under the criminal provision of the Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970. Under the Deferred Prosecution Agreement filed in U.S. District Court for the Western District of Missouri on September 5, 2023, Skinner Tank Company must pay a monetary penalty to the United States Treasury of one. $175,000, and an OSHA penalty of $195,000. In 2021, nearly one in five workplace deaths occurred in the construction industry. Just over one-third of construction deaths were due to falls, slips, and trips. Of these, almost all were from falls at a lower level. The construction industry accounted for 46.2% of all fatal falls, slips, and trips in 2021, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports. And uh, that's, you know, that's a really important thing to understand. And uh, hopefully, when you hear stuff like this, it makes you as an employee be more careful. And it makes you as an employee. Uh, more willing to challenge your boss when they try to make you do unsafe stuff because even this kind of stuff I actually just got an email uh, from 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 my workplace talking about how we've had contractors uh, we have in the last year a contractor uh, die doing pretty routine stuff like with a uh, you know, there was like an incident with with a chainsaw and uh, you know that's not you know uh, everybody's used a chainsaw or most people have used a chainsaw And yet this kind of routine thing resulted in somebody's death and it didn't have to. So be safe on the job and be willing to challenge your boss. In Florida, a U.S. Department of Labor investigation has recovered $120,000 in back wages for uh, 24 employees after an Orlando franchisee of Chicago-based pizza franchise Giordano's. That made me really sad. I love Giordano's when I go to Chicago. Uh, But this Chicago-based, or this uh, pizza franchise Giordano's in Orlando Denied the workers overtime wages and paid servers only in tips. Like they withheld all cash wages. Like they just said, you're not, we're not going to pay you at all. You only work for tips, which is how do you. I mean, that's a pretty blatant thing. We're just not going to pay you at all. Wild. The department's wage and hour division found that Sand Lake Pizzeria, LLC, which operated the Giordano's pizza franchise location, did not pay servers a time and one half rate for all hours over 40 in a work week and made servers work for only tips with no cash wage, which are both violations of the Fair Labor Standards Act. The employer also failed to complete time and payroll records, which is another FLSA violation. During the investigation, the employer told the division they contracted a third-party service provider to manage payroll functions and claimed the provider did not raise concerns about the employer's pay practices, but guess what? It's still your responsibility. (laughs) Oh, man. Staying in Florida, Waste Pro of Florida, which is, uh, you guessed it, a waste collection, recycling, processing, and disposal company based in Longwood, Florida, violated federal law when it subjected black employees to racist slurs and then retaliated against them for complaining about the behavior. The U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission charged in a lawsuit, according to the filing. Waste Pro employees at its Jacksonville location regularly used the N word in front of black employees, including a white employee telling a black black Haitian American, go back to Haiti inward, and y'all don't belong here, and go back on the banana boat, and other racial slurs. After an employee complained, a stuffed monkey waving an American flag was left in his work area. And WastePro retaliated against him for reporting the discrimination. The EEOC filed its suit against WastePro in the U.S. District Court for the Middle District of Florida after first reaching to attempting to reach a pre-litigation settlement through its conciliation process. Heading west to Texas, Greg Orr Auto Collection Incorporated, which is a Birmingham-based Texas corporation, a company that provides administrative operations services for a group of related automobile dealerships across Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Florida. Violated federal law when it fired a longtime senior manager in its Texarkana, Texas location to avoid its share of employees' cancer treatment costs, the EEOC charged in a lawsuit. According to the lawsuit, on February 11th of 2020, Greg Orr Otto fired the 65-year-old employee without prior warning and, and informed him that his health insurance coverage would end effective immediately. This came just weeks after the employee received billing statements for a costly surgery the employee underwent in late 2019 to treat a serious cancer. Greg Orr Otto maintains a self-insured health care plan that makes it directly responsible for its employee's medical expenses. The company knew that the employee's cancer treatment would generate ongoing health care costs and therefore replaced him with a significantly younger worker's worker in his mid-30s, the EEOC said. The EEOC filed suit in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Texas after its Birmingham District Office unsuccessfully attempted to reach a pre-litigation settlement through its conciliation process. The EEOC is seeking monetary relief, including back pay, liquidated compensatory and punitive damages, as well as injunctive relief designed to prevent such unlawful conduct in the future. We have several dishonorable mentions this week. I had to trim it down. Adam sent me like 30 press releases. <laughs> so I, can, I, can't, I can't cover 30 stories. But 30 press releases from the EPA, the EEOC, and the DOL. I can't cover all of that, so <laughs> I had to narrow it down. But here's, here's, a few of the, here's a few of the highlights, or lowlights, dishonorable mentions as we call them. Uh, the U.S. Department of Labor Wage and Hour Division investigators recovered about $37,000 in stolen health and welfare benefits from a Wendy's franchise that it owed 56 current and former employees by the employer, who violated federal contract labor regulations under the McNamara O'Hara Service Contract Act. The EEOC alleges Hank's Furniture in Pensacola, Florida violated Title VII of the Civil Rights Act when it did not, but could have without undue hardship, accommodate an employee's request for religious exemption to a COVID-19 vaccination mandate. Now, that's interesting, and I wanted to include that because I have never seen anything like that before. And in fact, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you'll know that we covered the Machinist Union Local 44 Uh, locally, their fight against United Launch Alliance, against their vaccine mandate uh, in Decatur, Alabama. We covered that uh, for a long time. Uh, We provided several updates on it. And that's just kind of a funny story because ULA is a huge funder of Yellowhammer News, which is a right-wing propaganda outlet here in the state of Alabama, uh, who say that they don't like COVID-19 vaccination mandates, but You may be surprised to know that uh, they did not report on that story once uh, during (laughs) during the saga, aside from one instance where it was mentioned in a news roundup. One time. So that's kind of a funny story. The EEOC alleges that Cavco Industries and Palm Harbor Homes in Dallas, Texas, violated the Civil Rights Act when it subjected a worker to race based harassment. Specifically, the worker experienced harassment and racial slurs after disclosing he had a multiracial family and after he refused to engage in conversations disparaging black people. Afterward, the general manager referred to the employee's family members using racial slurs and increased the use of racially disparaging remarks in the workplace. The sales consultant was sometimes left to serve black customers who were referred to uh, by the harassers as, quote, his people. A family member was referred to as a, quote, mud shark. Management also took actions that impacted the sales consultant's sales, which resulted in a reduction of his commissions. Ultimately, Cavco Industries and Palm Harbor Homes fired the sales consultant because of his association with his black and biracial family. The U.S. Department of Labor's Mine Safety and Health Administration completed impact inspections at 14 mines in 10 states in August, issuing 246 violations. The US, Depo- uh, U.S. Department of Labor Workplace Safety investigation found that a Caney contractor could have prevented a trench collapse that fatally injured a project manager at a McAllister uh, work site in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma in May of 2023. The agency has proposed $82,000 in penalties. A U.S. District Court judge ordered Cypress Solutions to restore $575,000 to the retirement savings plan after it failed to follow its own governing documents regarding the use of forfeiture funds for several of its 401k plans. And finally, the EEOC is suing Asphalt Paving Systems for race-based discrimination and harassment. The EEOC alleges that black workers were subjected to the open use of racial slurs and racist comments, including the N-word, by employees and managers. Black employees were also subjected to demeaning working conditions such as being required to work without breaks while white employees watched and being forced to relieve themselves to relieve themselves outdoors while white employees were taken to indoor bathrooms. Additionally, APS prevented members of an African-American paving crew from finding alternative employment by contacting a future employer and requesting that they not hire them. Really amazing stuff. But that's not the kind of thing that you're going to hear on the news very often. Really, really wild stuff. Um (laughs) Uh, we continue to have people in the chat. Appreciate uh, appreciate everybody that continues to watch. Kevin says that Mr. Fane will be at Jeep today. That's awesome. Uh, D.L. Cindero said that the UAW said that supporters could join the picket line. Looking forward to doing that in Maryland when the time comes. Uh, I am uh, planning to do that at some point. Kevin said we had railroad workers from Pittsburgh come to Jeep to picket with us yesterday. That's awesome. Very cool to hear that. Uh, Kevin said, yeah, uh, getting lots of support, and we appreciate it very much. That's great. Jules said, let's not forget that in Texas, when it's 130 degrees, you're not allowed uh, to get a drop of water. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not exactly the case, but uh, the, the, the thing that, that Jules is referring to there is that the Texas state government passed a law preempting um, preempting municipal uh, municipalities from mandating water breaks. So if your employer benevolently bestows upon you a water break, you're allowed to take it. Um, but the boss is not allowed to, uh, or but the municipality is not allowed to force the employer to give you a water break. Strom with a $5 super chat says, in y'all state today on the road from Birmingham to Talladega. Talladega, I'll watch the show after the race. That's awesome. Hope you enjoy it. let us know how it is. Let us know uh who turned left faster <laughs> uh bear post says u a w for trump twenty twenty four well, you know there are people like that out there um appreciate all of the uh all the comments in the chat matt says u s w has been joining on the picket line too um indeed indeed. So yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh thanks everybody for watching. We've got 65 people watching us on YouTube and only 58 likes if you have not uh if you have not liked the stream, then please do and also subscribe to the show if you haven't yet. We've got a phone number. The line is open, 844-899-TVLR. That phone number is 844-899-8857. You can also send us a text message, and we might uh, read it. I'm going to uh, – I'm actually going to text messages right now, one from a 907 area code. Does the new NLRB decision mean that we should expect to see new Starbucks unionized stores forced to, to get a contract? I know the CEO said he refused to negotiate a contract. Does this ruling change this? And no, unfortunately not. The NLRB does not have new authority to um, to – mandate new first, uh, to mandate first contracts. Uh, so the, uh, latest NLRB decision does not change that, unfortunately, but it does make it, uh, uh, make it easier for workers to unionize and make it easier for, uh, employers to be held accountable when they, um, violate the law in their attempt to stop their employees from unionizing. Uh, last week after the show, we got a text message Hey Jake and Adam, labor activity heating up here in New Jersey this week. This is from uh this is from Jack in New Jersey. 1700 nurses with United Steelworkers Local 4-200 approach the 2-month mark in their ULP strike against Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick. Uh, in New Brunswick, New Jersey, obviously the hospital requested and received a preliminary injunction against their picket activity. I spent Wednesday morning on the line of a wake up call picket, singing labor songs with nurses outside of the Robert Wood Johnson, uh, Barnabas CEO's home with nothing but support from his neighbors. That's awesome. Uh, RWJB is the largest hospital system in New Jersey, a state where hospital systems are very powerful. And if the nurses win the contract they're seeking, it could have huge impact statewide. I also had the privilege of spending last night on the line with UIW Local 3039 at Stellantis, New York uh, Parts Distribution Center just over the border in Tappan. Again, the community support was impressive and the good folk who work uh, harder every day than I ever have are fired up to get what they deserve. And indeed, the community support Is something that I want to touch on really quick. Uh, I'm in contact with the region director for the UAW Region 8, Tim Smith. And I was talking to him on the phone last week, and he was talking about the community support. Anytime he wears his UAW stuff, he says that he's constantly like a celebrity, like just stopped wherever he is and and said, go UAW. We support y'all. You know, go get them. uh, You know, uh, how's everything going? Hope y'all are doing well. And and that was a really cool thing to hear because, you know, we've been hearing and we have been telling you about all these polls uh, showing that there's huge support, not only for the UAW strike, but for the writer strike, for the actor strike, for unions in general, 90% of uh, Americans under 30 support unions. <laughs> and so uh, 75% of the general population has a positive opinion of unions. Um, A majority of workers would uh, vote for a union today if they could, would have a union in their workplace if they could. So huge support for for unions and and it's one thing to hear those polls and to see those polls and to talk about those polls. But it it, it is another one to hear about, you know, the community coming out and supporting you like in real life, right? And kinda walking around like a celebrity. That's a that's a pretty cool thing and um and I'm sure Uh, Brother Tim Smith is soaking it up, (laughs) as he should. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, um, let's see. We have a couple other... uh, We've got a couple other segments, and... Um, but we are coming up on time, so we've got several segments. But I don't know how much I am gonna, how much time I'm gonna have. I will say though that, that we do have a message from Adam, so I definitely want to make sure that I tell you that, tell you all that. So. I told y'all that Adam wasn't here today. He's not here today because he is at an Alabama Arise annual meeting. Alabama Arise is a statewide member-led organization advancing public policies to improve the lives of Alabamians who are marginalized by poverty. Arise's membership uh, includes faith-based, community, labor, nonprofit, and civic groups, grassroots leaders, and individuals from across Alabama. Arise members select their annual legislative agenda, focusing on the issues that matter most to alleviate poverty and its effects. Alabama Arise uses three kinds of activities to promote fair public policies towards Alabamians with low incomes. Policy analysis, statewide organizing, and citizen advocacy. Arise has fought for years to get rid of the grocery tax and finally saw some movement last session. Through their Cover Alabama Coalition, Arise is a leading voice for expanding Medicaid in the state of Alabama, which would provide health care to hundreds of thousands of low-income Alabamians and would... Uh, save those people who were just kicked off of Medicaid. I told you earlier in the show about 22,000 Alabamians who were just kicked off of Medicaid. Uh, really unconscionable stuff. Medicaid expansion would provide health care to hundreds of thousands of low-income Alabamians. It would obviously save lives, and it would grow the economy. There are estimates like that it would create 30,000 new jobs. Um, but uh, but we don't want to create jobs that way. We want to create jobs by giving billions of dollars to corporations. That's how we want to create jobs. We don't want to create jobs by giving health care to Alabamians. We want to create jobs by funneling money into uh, parasites and vampires pockets. Alabama Arise's members select their policy priorities during their annual membership meeting each fall, and that's what's happening today. Uh, The current policy priorities include adequate state budgets for education, health care, child care, and other human services. That's a permanent priority. Tax reform is another permanent priority, and and particularly, you know, writing the regressive tax system in Alabama. Uh, Because perversely, you pay a higher percentage of tax if you are poor in Alabama, then you do if you're rich. And so that one of the permanent priorities of Alabama arise is to kind of fix that, to make it so that that's not the case, because that's obviously uh, that's like kind of on its face absurd. Another one is voting rights, criminal justice reform, the death penalty reform. Public transportation and payday and title lending reform. Those issues will be up for discussion today, alongside new issues this year, including housing, which is a really hot topic across the state, as well as comprehensive maternal and infant health. And housing is is a is a uh, issue that definitely speaks to me as a uh, first time home homeowner. I just closed on a house yesterday, uh, so hopefully it does not break now. <laughs> and I had to pay like twice what it sold for in 2019. The housing market's insane. Absolutely insane. But uh, but now that I'm part of the system, I actually want it to keep getting worse. <laughs> I want it to go- I'm kidding obviously uh, because I'm not a ghoul. I want more people to have housing. <clears throat> Members will hear presentations on each policy issue, and then they're going to vote on what Alabama Arise's uh, priorities are. If you're a member or a delegate for a member group and the meeting snuck up on you, no worries. You're going to receive information in your inbox to make an informed decision and still have the opportunity to vote electronically for a few days. Adam has long been an active member of Alabama Arise and is looking forward to growing the coalition, particularly the Community Labor Coalition, and has already had some success with his own union, the Hands Local 900 here in Huntsville, joining the Cover Alabama Medicaid Expansion Coalition, and the North Alabama Area Labor Council joining Alabama Arise. So if you want some more information, you can go to Alabama uh, to alarise.org. A-L-A-R-I-S-E.org for more information on how you can join in order to strengthen the coalition and stay informed on what's happening in the state. Uh, The more that those of us who want to see positive change link up and work together, the closer we can come to the better Alabama that is not only possible, but necessary. So we appreciate Adam's work for Alabama Arise. Um, And uh, that is going to... Uh, yeah, dude 87 says, you should have waited for the housing market to crash before buying your house, Jacob. Yeah, well, you know, I just, I don't know that that's going to happen here in Huntsville. I think the, the Huntsville housing market is kind of unique. Um, but maybe it's not. I could have, uh, bought, I could have just bought a house in 2007. Let's hope not. <clears throat> that's going to be it for us today on the show. Uh, and uh, here are a couple plugs. Labor Notes, of course, always has uh, trainings going on labornotes.org slash events. If you want to see what's going on this month, they're doing their Secrets of a a Successful Organizer Training. Um, Those are held Thursdays from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. So uh, that's a great great one. Atlanta has a Secrets of a Successful Organizer Training uh, coming up here soon. And there's a Stewards Workshop dealing with difficult supervisors. So that's definitely something to check out. On Monday, October 16th, don't forget A People's History of the Black Working Class where historian Blair L.M. Kelly is going to be discussing her latest book, Black Folk, The Roots of the Black Working Class. Um, That is being put on by uh, the Interdisciplinary Studies and International Programs. Yeah, so check that out. Google that and then attend it. It should be good. Don't forget about Shop Talk every Thursday morning. Uh, Last week, Alabama, or uh, last week, Adam talked to some really cool folks from New Orleans who are doing workplace justice organizing. So you definitely want to check that out from last week. He's going to have another episode up for you again uh, Thursday morning this week. We're going to be heading into overtime here in just a second. If you want to call into the show, 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. Priority given to UAW members if you're a UAW member and you want to call in and talk to us about what's happening on the picket line or in your shop then please give us a call and let us know your area code in the chat so that we can pull you in. Don't forget to uh, like, subscribe, and share the Valley Labor Report. Donate to us uh, one time or a monthly contribution, tvlr.fm slash donate or patreon.com slash thevalleylaborreport. We're going to be heading into overtime. We've got a great overtime uh, plan for you today. We're going to be talking about uh, the UAW and Trump and Biden. What's going on with that? Because there were big news kind of on that subject last week. We're also going to be talking to Jay from Texas, who uh, is with the Gulf Coast Area Labor Federation, talking about labor councils and uh, stuff like that. So that's going to be a good interview and uh, relevant to people. Labor councils are a really cool, really cool institution that, you know, needs to be more powerful. I think we're also going to be talking to Chris Townsend about Joe Biden and the UAW, Chris Townsend, a longtime union organizer, former political director for UE and uh, some other stuff, obviously taking your calls. So uh, stay with us. Find us on YouTube and Facebook. We're going to go for another hour and a half. uh, And uh, but if this is it for you, then we appreciate you listening and we will see you next week. <clears throat> all right, all right. That's this. That's it for us on the. Uh, that's it for us on the radio. We're off the radio now. We have freed ourselves from the shackles of the FCC sensors. Mr. Anderson says, speaking of Alabama, UAW workers strike Mercedes-Benz supplier in Alabama. Yeah, we talked about that. We actually had somebody on the show from that local. If you want to check that out, you can go to our YouTube page. Check that clip out. It's pretty good. pretty good interview. Uh, the McFun Santiago says, from New York Local 804, love your show. Thank you. Appreciate it. NYC MTA Local 100 Solidarity with UAW Free American 2020, where does NYC MTA Local 100 stand on the UAW strike? (laughs) I think (laughs) think that was probably a joke, (laughs) because Fast Eddie in the comments put that in three times. (laughs) Jose says, uh, bien dia a todos. Um, Appreciate that. Welcome, Jose. Uh, Jose says, Trump was at my city Anaheim yesterday, presumably talking about the California GOP speech that that he gave. That's pretty wild. All right, uh, so yeah, we're going to go ahead and take a break really quick. I'm going to go get some water, and then we're going to be right back with Chris Townsend and uh, first Jay from Texas, then we're going to talk to Chris Townsend. we got some clips for you. We're going to be taking your calls, 844-899-TVLR, 844-899-8857 if you want to call in. We'll be right back. Stay tuned, folks. You're listening to The Valley Laborer.